Hey friends, my new book, Negotiation Made Simple, comes out October 31st. If you pre-order the book, I want you to have four special bonuses. The first is the negotiation preparation checklist. The second is access to an interview with Ryan Hawk, the host of the Learning Leader podcast. Third is a group coaching experience where I will be taking questions and helping people deal with their actual negotiations. And fourth is a live webinar where I will teach people how to use the negotiation preparation tool. All of these things are worth like 10 times the cost of the book. Don't miss this deal. All you have to do is to go purchase the book wherever you buy books and then go to lowrygroup.net forward slash book. And there you can give us information about your order and we will get these bonuses to you. Be sure to go out and pre-order Negotiation Made Simple. Welcome to Negotiation Made Simple. I'm your host, John Lowry. Today, we're going to go in a little bit of a different direction. We're going to think about our role as a parent in the context of negotiation. Now, the reality is, is we all play very different roles in life. And one of the most important roles that we play for those of us that have kids is being a parent. Now, negotiation, while it's a skill we use in business and it's a skill we use at work or a skill we use as a consumer, the reality is this skill is critical to our success in parenting our kids. And the reason it's critical is because it's the way we work through problems. It's the way in which we make decisions. It's the way in which we can encourage our kids to do things that they don't want to do, but they need to do. And so in this episode, what I'm going to do is give you some ideas on how it is that by becoming a better negotiator, you can become a better parent. And in doing so, I hope that we can create an environment where you can raise healthy and happy kids and negotiate through all the difficulty of that adventure. One of the things about negotiation is it is a professional skill and a personal skill. What that means is that we negotiate in all areas of our life. If you remember, I've defined negotiation as a strategic communication process to get a deal or to solve a problem. Now, we certainly do that at work. We look at our email inboxes and they're full of problems. They're full of deals we're trying to put together. We do this every single day as a professional. But the reality is, is that we also negotiate every single day in our personal lives. And so what I wanted to do was to create a segment to where we would talk about some of the different roles that we play in life and how it is that we apply good negotiation theory and practice to those particular roles. Because quite frankly, those roles are many times much more important than the roles that we play in our professional lives. So for example, many of you are parents, many of you are spouses, many of you are family members. Obviously, we have sets of friends out there. All of these relationships that we hold so dear to us, these relationships are held up by our ability to work through and negotiate life. Because we've got to make decisions about how we use our resources. We've got to make decisions about the values and the standards that we bring to the table. We've got to make decisions about what it is that we want to do for the next vacation or the next meal out. 
all of these decisions require some level of negotiation because even though we're in the context of family or the context of a sports team or the context of a friend group, the reality is we have different interests and it's going to require negotiation in order to get through and to advance that relationship. And so today I want to focus on the negotiator as parent and think about the parenting relationship. Now, I'm going to be speaking to parents here, and it's really, really important to understand that our relationship with our children, it largely depends on how well we negotiate, especially as they get older. But that's really true when they're younger as well. And so I love to tell the story about when my children were really young and my son Deacon, he used to come down the hall every night. We'd put him to bed. He'd stay in bed for a couple of hours. Inevitably, he would wake up and he'd come down the hall. And so here comes Deacon, the pitter-patter down the hall. I'd hear it, but I would get woken up when I got the nudge in my back. And the nudge in my back came from my wife, Melissa. And the nudge required no words. It required no interpretation, no explanation. I knew what the nudge was all about. And the nudge basically meant, John, it's your turn to get up and take care of Deacon. Now, knowing what was best for me, I did that. But I do want you to understand that there, I'm not even awake. And it's one in the morning. I'm halfway through my night's sleep. And yet I'm already engaged in my first negotiation about who's going to get up and take care of Deacon. Now, once I decide to do that and I get up to take care of Deacon, I enter right into my second negotiation of the day because Deacon wants to sleep with us. That's the last thing in the world I want. I don't need him kicking me for the rest of the night as he sleeps. So I've got to figure out how do I get Deacon back to his bed and back to sleep? Now, Deacon has the ultimate trump card because Deacon, if he doesn't like where this is going, he's going to start crying. It is the ultimate negotiation tactic. And the reason that kids cry is because it works. So many times they cry and parents respond. It's a negotiation. And so I've got to figure out how to keep Deacon from crying because I don't want him to wake up the other two kids where I'll just find myself in multiple negotiations. And so notice, even with our youngest children, we are negotiating sometimes to get them back in the bed, sometimes to get through the day. Now, as kids get older, they get more savvy and more mature in how they negotiate, but the negotiation doesn't end. As parents, we've got to think carefully about this and be ready for how is it that we're going to negotiate with our kids. And so much of negotiation applies to this. I mean, I think about the competitive and the cooperative. As parents, you can't always be cooperative because you know better. And there are some things that your kids want to do, especially your teenagers, that just aren't appropriate. It may be a movie they want to watch. It may be a sleepover that they want to have where you're not sure about the parental supervision or whatever the case might be. There are times where you have to say no as a parent. But notice we can't always be competitive with our kids either. Uh, we want to be cooperative. We want to have that good relationship and the trust that builds kind of from that cooperation. But at the same time, we've got to figure out how to bring about balance to that relationship. And so we've got to be able to say no. We know what kids look like whose parents have never said no. But we've also got to find ways to where 
we can get creative in terms of saying yes so that our interest as parents are satisfied, interest of safety and security and good decision-making and all of those kinds of things, making sure that those are satisfied, but doing so in a way that allow kids to have the experiences and the fun and hanging out with their friends in the way that they want to do. It's a negotiation and it's a balance. I love the story that my late colleague, Brian Johnston, used to tell about his daughter, Courtney. His daughter, Courtney, was a, she was 15 years old. I think she was a sophomore in high school. She got invited to the senior prom. Now, this was kind of a difficult moment for Brian and Ann because they had this negotiation they knew was upcoming about curfew. And here it was, their young daughter invited to the senior prom. She's going with someone who's significantly older than her. She's going with a group of kids that are significantly older than her. And so they know, though, it's a special night. It's a big night. So they're probably going to have to give something in terms of curfew. But they also don't want to set a bad precedent because they have two more proms potentially uh, going forward. And so this is kind of a big moment here in this household. And here comes the time where Brian and Ann get together with Courtney and Now is the time where they're going to negotiate curfew. And so Brian and Ann get together in advance and say, what do you think? What should we do? And they said, well, our curfew is normally 11. It is a special night. Why don't we let her stay out until midnight? That's a good concession. That's a good compromise. Let's see if we can pull that off. Well, they kind of underestimated Courtney. Courtney learned a little something from her dad growing up, and she's a pretty good negotiator. And so they sat down and Courtney started describing the evening that she had planned with her friends. And she said, yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to gather at three or four o'clock at so-and-so's house. We're going to do hair and makeup and get dressed and get all ready. And then we're going to go to this park and connect up with our dates. And we're going to have a photographer there and take a bunch of pictures. And then we're going to take the limo over the restaurant and we're going to have dinner and have a wonderful evening at the restaurant. And then from there, we're going to leave and go to the dance. The dance wraps up at 11 o'clock. And from there, we're going to go to a friend's house and we're going to change clothes and do a a big bonfire kind of thing and have lots of fun there. And then after that, we're going to go watch movie at another friend's house. And then once the movie's over, we're going to take off to the beach and we're going to watch the sunrise on the coast. And then after the sun rises and once it's morning, we're going to go out to breakfast and then we'll come home after breakfast. It'll probably be eight or nine the next morning. Now, Brian and Ann were shocked. (laughs) They were like, oh my goodness, you know, what do we do? So Ann looked over to Courtney and she got real serious real fast. And she said, Courtney, let me make something crystal clear. She goes, you will not be back in this house. Not one minute later than 2 a.m. Now, Brian kind of looked shocked. He looked over at his wife and his wife just storms out of the room and she points at him and says, don't you say a word. And she goes storming out. Courtney plays it perfectly. And so Courtney, she puts on the act. I mean, she gives her dad the business. She tells him, oh, this is such an injustice. This is so mean. All my other friends get to stay out late. All my other friends' parents know what an important night this is. But you all, this is just so unfair that you're making me get in at 2 a.m., and Courtney goes storming out. Now, my friend Brian, he, he, he doesn't know what just happened. 
Uh, he thought this was going to go well. He thought they had a plan. But now all of a sudden, Courtney's mad and Anne's mad, and he's got to figure out how to put this whole thing back together. Well, Brian, despite being a very sophisticated negotiator, despite being a college president and holding public office and all these different things, um, he realized that he got played by his 15-year-old daughter. He got out negotiated because he overheard her on the phone a couple of days later. And Courtney was talking to her friend. This was back when we had landlines, if you remember those, where you could overhear conversations in the house. Courtney's talking to her friend and she's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe I got 2 a.m. And she was so excited to be able to stay out until 2 a.m. And so even in those kind of negotiations, we got to watch out because somewhere, some way, our kids inherently know how to negotiate really, really well. As we think about negotiation, I think it's a really effective tool to get kids to do what we need them to do or what they need to do in a way that doesn't create a lot of tension, doesn't create a little conflict, and actually gets them to do it. And so I think about my daughter, who's a basketball player, and I don't want to be that parent at the end of every game where I tell her all the mistakes she made, even though I see things that she could do better on the court, or I see mistakes that she's making, or ways that she's being exploited defensively because her feet aren't right, or lots of different things that I see during a game. And so you've got to think about how do you negotiate in a way that actually is going to change behavior. If I just tell her, hey, Brooklyn, listen, that was a bad game. You didn't do this very well and you didn't do that very well. All she's going to do is turn that off. Like that's not going to be a very good tactic in terms of thinking about how to get her to think about it and change behavior so she gets better. And so I learned this from Trent Dilfer, the football coach at UAB, uh, who described this in terms of his daughters in sports that I think is really good. And it's a great little negotiation tool. And it's the you're awesome, but you're awesome, but. And so what a great way in terms of engaging kids and negotiating with kids in terms of saying, hey, listen, you're awesome. And tell your kids why they're awesome. Or in the context of the negotiation, tell them why they're awesome in that context. In my case, I need to tell Brooklyn why she's an awesome basketball player and what she's done really, really well. And then just drop in the butt. But we got to pay attention when and fill in the blank. Or we got to think about or maybe go work and practice on this. And so the you're awesome, but it's a great skill in terms of providing kids with the psychological satisfaction that they need with protecting their self-esteem, which is really, really important, but then also getting what you need out of them. I think about this with my boys uh, and we have a conversation about working in the yard. And I'll ask them what their day is. And I'll say, that's great. Like, I want you to have fun. I want you to do all those things. But we got to do a bag of leaves. Or we got to get the yard mode. Or we've got to do whatever it is. And I find that if you set it up with what they want to do, and then you find a way to work in what you need them to do or what they need to do, for some reason, it just seems to work a bit better. And so... As parents, you're going to have moments today. Uh, you're certainly going to have them tomorrow in terms of having to negotiate with your kids. And I hope you'll think about all the things that we've talked about 
because everything we've talked about in the professional context, it applies to the personal context as well, and it applies to the parental context. And so think about the different styles of satisfaction, the process, the people, and then ultimately the product. And if you think about those and recognize that as parents, we have to think about the processes. And in doing that, we've got to take care of the people that we love. If we do that really well, then usually the problems that come or the decisions that get made, those become easier to deal with. And as a result, I hope what this means is that it will lead to a healthier and happier life. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Negotiation Made Simple. Just wanted to remind you to pre-order Negotiation Made Simple. It comes out October 31st. We have some great pre-order bonuses that are available to you if you will order now. Go to wherever you buy books and it should be available there. To get access to your bonuses, go to lowrygroup.net forward slash book. And there you will receive four bonuses that are worth about 10 times more than this book that will help you in your negotiation preparation and help you get ready to deliver an outstanding negotiation outcome on your next deal.